Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. David Reed is the chairman of the board. Jacob Swanson makes this show happen as well. A huge shout out to the great crowd on hand for the Outkick pregame party in Knoxville this past weekend. Had a great time prior to kickoff of the orange and white game at Old City Sports Bar and with Fox Sports Knoxville Fan Run Radio. Uh, Nate Hodges and his great crew, uh, thank you for the hospitality on Saturday and Sunday morning. It was a, a great time in Knoxville, Chad, and a huge shout-out to Bellmead Bourbon. Yeah, and uh, Nate Hodges, Russell Smith, John Reed, Bear, all the guys over at uh, Fox Sports Radio, uh, Fox Sports Knoxville Fan Run Radio. Big thanks to them for partnering with us on it. And you're right, Old City Sports Bar, Mark, Aaron, Malia, the whole crew over there, thanks for hosting us. The crowd was better than we expected. Uh, the Tennessee whiskey was also not better than we expected because we knew what to expect. what to expect. Excellence. That's what you get with Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery and Andy and Charlie Nelson. That's what we got on Saturday with the drink specials at Old City Sports Bar. Fun day in Knoxville. Appreciate everyone coming down to say hello. We had a gentleman that was from Rhode Island, lives in Virginia. He detoured to come through Knoxville on his way to see a buddy in Atlanta just to come to the event. We had a couple people drive up from Nashville mm -hmm. to be there in Knoxville and drive right back after the event. So great turnout. I love getting a chance to connect with some people that enjoy the show and enjoy OutKick, and that's what we were able to do on Saturday, and it was a great time. As far as the spring game is concerned, uh, it's very unlikely that we will reference big plays made in this spring game as we move forward in discussion of the Tennessee Vols. Uh, so you have to take these scrimmages for what they are. But you can see a glimpse of what Heupel's offense is going to be. I, I thought they were crisp and clean with their execution of this offense, for the most part, uh, in and out of, of the fast-paced approach. I, I was surprised that it was, it was that way. Maybe the mechanics, I thought, would be a little wobbly at first. It didn't seem to be the case, Chad. And, um, the quarterback play was okay. Yeah. Harrison Bailey played well. Brian Maurer had some moments where he just barely overthrew a couple of receivers. Uh, Hendon Hooker, the timing's off a little bit with some of the receiving patterns that where they were rolling him out and getting him on, on the move. But I thought overall, I, I like the approach from Heupel's offense and how it looked as though the group was, was coming together. I really think they've got good running backs, too. I think Jabari Small has nice got great yeah. potential. D. Beckwith is a guy that they've got to get creative and find ways to get him touches. He looked good on a reception, very smooth and natural, catching the football. He's a huge guy. He's sort of a, a Derrick Henry size type player at running back, but not certainly not your standard no, running back. But they can split him out. They, they could do some different things with him. He's a guy you want to see more of. The Tyon Evans had a touchdown. He's been battling injury, but he's the mm -hmm. nation's number one junior college running back coming in. Offensively, they've got some good skill. I think their offensive line has some potential. If Dane Davis, who's a former walk-on, can be good at tackle, 
I think they're going to be pretty good on the offensive line. Quarterback play was a little bit shaky. Hendon Hooker with a bad interception. That was a pick six. And he threw behind a couple one of point. receivers. Harrison Bailey looked better than anyone else statistically. Yeah. Uh, but that was aided because he threw it up for grabs a couple times. And uh, although former defensive coordinator John Jancic's that, son Jack Jancic looked a like a throw. looked like a weapon. He had two catches for 137 yards and a long touchdown. But he's a big, rangy kid on the outside that no one's talking about, that's a walk-on, mm-hmm. that could do some things in this Josh Heupel offense. I thought overall the offense looked very good. They've got a long way to go on defense. They don't have yes. enough bodies. They had a lot of guys out also. And then the news today, official Joe Milton is in school at Tennessee. And I read where Dave Ubbin of The Athletic said he'd have a hard time not betting on Joe Milton to be the starter day one. And that's, on. that's why they're bringing him in. Yeah. So I think you're going to see some transfers that position. And there should be. Quite frankly, they don't need five quarterbacks going into the fall. Um, but I think you're going to see some transfers. And I think Joe Milton now, the odds on favor, the former Michigan quarterback, to be the starter. So how much expand on what you said there? I saw the quarterback numbers and I thought, yeah. wow, those add up to be pretty big numbers. How much of that is the quarterbacks playing well and how much of that is the defense being crappy? I think that there was um, – it's a little bit of both. They did a good job with the deep ball. So those numbers get big when you have a 70-yard reception you know, for a touchdown in the first half was, yeah. was one of them to Jancic. Um, I thought – I thought, and this doesn't surprise me, Harrison Bailey looked good with touch. He even got a, had a couple of pass interference calls mm-hmm. where the receiver had maybe a half a step, and he threw it perfectly, and a guy had to reach out and grab. You know, that, that Hendon Hooker did not have that accuracy. Brian Maurer did not have that accuracy. Harrison Bailey can't run. You saw some plays made with their legs with Maurer and Hendon Hooker also that you're not going to see with, uh, with Harrison Bailey. So I, I think, Paul, to answer your question, it's certainly a lot to do with the defense, which even in a spring game, though, they're playing such a basic defense, you're going to get lit up most of the time. And Tennessee did a good job of, uh, in Heupel of putting on an offensive show. I mean, that's what they were trying to do. You also saw an ejection in the game. Uh, targeting. To Danico Slaughter for targeting, and then he was back out there in the next series. Just <laughs> funny because like, the head coach like, look, we're paying you, the officials. We need to get this guy some work. So that's great that you tossed him. It's a good learning lesson, but uh, he's still going to play. He was right back out there. It's like, number 18, he was supposed to be out of the game. Um, but I, I thought the offense looked good. It's tough to take a ton away from that. The big takeaway is they felt the need to go get another quarterback. Mm-hmm. That tells you what they think about the quarterbacks there. So Joe Milton's got a great chance of starting come this fall, and um, I just think defensively they've got a. This is going to be an offensive team. This is going to be a team built around offense, trying to score a bunch of points, and hoping the defense can get a couple turnovers or do enough to stay in it and win a game. Or, you know, win yep. some games that way. Uh, so a question going into the draft that I'm, I'm certain that the, that the Titans have already answered internally um, because of draft week. Though we'll be discussing <clears throat> when they take their corner. Is he inside or outside? And, Paul, the, the question that they would have to answer is do they see Christian Fulton as a full-time outside man-to-man corner or is he playing inside? Because we, when he was drafted last year with Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson, the thought was they want to get faster at nickel and they wanted that straight-line speed to play inside. If they view him as that guy, they have to go get that premier man-to-man corner, premier the, the elite traits that you're looking for, and, and a guy that's coming in to start. If, if, if they think that's Christian Fulton on the outside and they're looking for more of a nickel-type player, now we're talking Greg Newsom at 22. I think they're still, uh, they still have to rely on really how they scouted Christian Fulton last year. 
and, and what they anticipated for him coming out because he only played, what, five, six, seven mm. games. But the, but the discussion last year when they drafted him was he could play both. both. And because of their depth at the position and the fact that they were replacing uh, who, they, who they called, or behind the scenes the talk was, they didn't directly say this, the slow Logan Ryan with the fast, speedy Christian Fulton. They even gave him his number. Yeah. So is he an inside guy? I think um, look, that answer if you're drafting, what if getting. you're drafting that guy at 22, ideally you'd like him to be able to play both. And look, we've been talking. Let, let's flip this. We've been talking about the slot receiver position, and I think it's conceivable that they're heading towards a place where maybe, and the league is. Some teams have designated slot guys, mm-hmm. but other teams, particularly if you have the right kind of tight end, you have big slot, small slot. Move. You have receivers that can move around. You know, I think Justin Jefferson plays in the slot. You know. um, so, as the options that you see in the slot change, you want the coverage capabilities to change. And so you want maybe a big guy to be able to cover, big fast guy, you know, little fast guy, a uh, guy who can cover an Adam Humphreys type in the slot, which means, you know, really quick reactions to get a guy at the sticks. Mm-hmm. Or a guy that could do what Logan Ryan couldn't do against Kansas City, which is handle a Tyreek Hill. But uh, uh, is the same guy going to be able to handle Tyreek Hill in the slot and Travis Kelsey in the slot? Or do you want to be able to go with different guys? You know, it depends. If you find a guy that can do both, fantastic. If you don't have a guy that can do both, then have both guys and, and be ready for, for both matchups. I, I don't know. I, you, you want to mix and match capability. I think, but I don't know if you know exactly how good Christian Fulton's going to be in the slot yet. So a lot of it's forecasting. And, uh, but I, I think in the, at the top of the list, though, they, requirements for what they're looking for with their pick. I mean, if they want the man-to-man corner, Caleb Farley's in play at 22. If they're okay with just getting a smaller uh, athletic, uh, athleticism through the charts, but uh, not. Uh, I think he's five ten, five eleven. Asante Samuel Jr. You could get him in the second round and use him more as that aggressive player in the slot. Same with Greg Newsom, uh, who is built to play the nickel. Yeah, and um, you know the guy they have tabbed as their nickel right now is a guy that nobody has any faith in outside of the building, and with good cause. Um, Kevin, Kevin Johnson, Johnson uh, you know, was with Vrabel and Bowen and Midget, uh, the coaching staff in Houston, where maybe he started okay, but ultimately didn't have a good career. And Houston has bounced around Buffalo, Cleveland since and not been a good player. You've pointed it out. Terry uh, Rabisky and Mike Malarkey did a terrible job isolating matchups uh, to take advantage of. And they took advantage of Kevin Johnson, of all the people. And he's now a Titan that they're relying on on corner. They ha- and nickel. They have to have better option than that, be it Fulton. And I, right now you have to think it's Jenkins and Fulton outside. Right. Um, but, you know, again, this could go anyway. You know, if you bring in a better outside corner, Fulton could kick inside. If you bring in a better inside corner, then Fulton could stay outside. Or you could have two guys that are good, and you could just see how it plays out with Fulton and the draft pick. So there are a lot of variables here, depending on who it is. And I think you go get the best guy you can get and play it from there. We'll see. Coming up, we discuss some scenarios for the Titans. The Titans draft class. We'll compare 
three more versions of a mock draft that Paul's put together this week, and we'll weigh in. We'll give our two cents on who we think is the best solution uh, among the groups, the pods of players that can come in and immediately help this Titans roster. That's next on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 rolls on. If you're watching today on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, we hope you'll like, subscribe, retweet, share the broadcast uh, with those following you as we grow the attendance for each and every live show. If you're listening, to Fan Run Radio and Fox Sports Knoxville, we appreciate that. And if you're listening to the podcast, wherever you download your podcast, give us a like, a subscription, a review, rate, review, subscribe, whatever order you want to go in there. Uh, and you can find us literally everywhere. And an, an example of that is through our Linktree link, which is available and pinned to the top of all of our Twitter accounts, including at Outkick360. And we got some great reports back on our streaming numbers, podcast numbers last week. Thank you so much. Keep that coming. Keep it coming. And as Hutton said, leave a review, leave a rating, be <coughs> sure to subscribe. All of that really helps. It, uh, it, it helps us, but it helps other people find us. So thank you for doing that. Thanks uh, for a big week and a lot of big weeks to follow. So I believe it was last week, early last week, that Hutton brought in this exercise, and we thought it was great. He brought in three scenarios with a this Titans. is the one time we like exercise on this yeah, show. We're right. typically opposed <laughs> to all exercise, but this is an exercise that we actually enjoy. So he brought in three scenarios with the Titans' first four picks, which end at number 100. So they have four picks inside the top 100. And we discussed these three scenarios and then kind of sorted through which one we liked best. We did have a consensus on that. We may not on these. Um, so I decided to take a turn doing the same thing. So I will talk through these three separate scenarios. Before we get started, are we going scenarios one, two, and three? No, or we'll a, go B, A, B, and C because we did okay. A, B, and C last I've time. I've got to chart these I'm going to go so A, two, and C. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we'll go through these three scenarios. We'll talk through them. We'll see if we arrive Hard at any did. consensus. And then uh, Hutton will take these slides that Dennis Reed has designed for us, and he'll tweet them out for you to comment on, and then tomorrow perhaps we'll circle back and revisit what the populace yeah. has decided. So, scenario number A. <laughs> First round, number 22, Quitty Pay, edge rusher out of Texas. He's six foot two, 261 pounds. He's regarded as a three-down guy who's good versus both the run and the pass. He's been compared to Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett good at turning his speed into power. He does not have the longest arms, which is uh, maybe one of his uh, insufficiencies. Dane Brugler, our friend, calls him slithery, which is a very nice word to put on a pass rusher. He's played 38 games, 11 and a half sacks, still needs some development, but is regarded as a twitchy guy who has a lot of room to develop into something And nice. a ton of film on him. What yes. do you pay for Michigan? Second round, Deami Brown, a wide receiver from the University of North Carolina. Six feet tall, 189 pounds, so good size. He's got excellent speed and body control. He averaged 18.7 yards in three seasons, averaged over 20 yards of reception over the last two seasons, uh, during which he had 51 and 55 catches, 20 touchdowns over those two seasons needs to get better against physical coverage and uh, with his drops 
Brugler calls him a double move aficionado. He's got similar size and speed and fluid adjustment skills to Stefan Diggs, but obviously uh, lacks any such polish at this stage. Third round, Hunter Long, who we've discussed, the tight end from Boston College. He's 6'5", 254, ran a 4'6", He's not particularly sudden, according to Brugler, who says his college routes are easy for the NFL to cover, so he's got to get better there. He's got a good field sense. Uh, he's very coordinated. He's got the benefit of having played under two very different head coaches. So for Steve Adazio, he was more of a blocker. And for Frank Signetti, he's uh, been more of a target. Um, and so he's, he's rounded out. He's better versus zone than man. And finally, uh, with pick 100, I've got Robert Rochelle, cornerback from Central Arkansas. He does a good job of playing the ball downfield. He matches and mirrors nicely on vertical routes. He's best, from everything I've read, as a man cover corner, which fits what the Titans are looking for. Double-digit interceptions. And this, boys, if you look at the screen, a remarkable 43-inch vertical at his pro day. I watched this over and over when I put together uh, my file from Blake Bettingfield with his scouting reports. They filmed this in slow motion. Watch this. Okay. The slow-mo vertical jump. Wow. Beautiful. <laughs> thing. That is, uh, he fell down on his way down. He surprised himself so much, but that is a ridiculous vertical, so obviously going to go up and contest some balls. That is class letter A. Uh, shall I react first? Yes, please. All right, I'll give you my superficial reaction to some of this. Uh, uh, for no, option number one with Quitty Pay, I'm opposed to drafting someone with a name that makes me think of a quitter, as in Quitty <laughs> Pay. Uh, I had one of those last year uh, in the first round. That's true, yeah. That's, <laughs> and his name didn't give out anything. something his, about the you know, name Quitty. His name gave, gave no hint. You know, if, <laughs> if I didn't see anyone or know their ability and I'm drafting in the schoolyard and I just know first names, but what if it was, I'm avoiding the guy named Quitty. What if it was quicker? For my sports contest. Quicker pay. Yeah, that would be better. Uh, I like that. Um, and Robert Rochelle makes me think of Rochelle Rochelle, Rochelle from Rochelle. Seinfeld. From Moscow so to Mintz. That's my completely not serious, superficial take on it. I like this progression of picks in terms of need. Uh, Quiddy Pay, I, I don't think will be there at 22, uh, but I like his upside. I played through these rusher. scenarios on, on several different draft machines, yeah. so in some regard they were available. So, again, just uh, superficially looking at need, I like pass rusher and a physical freak like Quiddy Pay in the first round. Uh, I like Brown and his productivity at receiver at North Carolina, and I like going with receiver in the second round. There's a lot of good receivers. Every year in the NFL draft, I feel like now we're saying, tons of good receivers. It's because look where college football's gone. There's a ton of productive receivers out there in the draft, and I like Brown from North Carolina. Hunter Long, another position of need. I feel like he came up in our last exercise yes, also from Boston College. I tried to like avoid that. that in general. I think I have We didn't even bring this up, but also the association with Mike Frabel in Boston College with his son playing there makes some sense with Hunter Long. And I, and I like the sort of maybe longer-term project in Rochelle. I think as a small school guy at corner in the fourth round, clearly that's a, that's a position of need. Um, I'm okay with it. I'm anxious to see the next two scenarios before I really judge it, though. I, I like uh, the options that Quiddy Pay 
could give them in this scenario, Paul, as, as a rotational piece to what they already have rushing the passer. But again, you can get creative uh, with that. Uh, Wide receiver and corner are addressed in this. That The Titans have to address and get some starting quality talent at both positions in this draft. I like using two picks in the top 100 to do that. Uh, and Hunter Long fits what the Titans do. And, and I think he's a good enough player that you can have that description about him no matter who selects him. Because while he is not the greatest tight end in this draft or in any draft, um, where, where he doesn't have that elite trait, He's good at pretty much everything. And because of that, you can draft him and have him focus on one area to really dial in and, and tune up your offense. And I think he's going to excel. And, and that can be in, in, in the block game, pass protection uh, for Derrick Henry in the run. Uh, but also, he, he has sure enough hands when you watch him play. I, I think he would really, really do some damage within the Titan structure. And, and how they go about things for, for using their tight end here. John Robinson said something I thought was interesting about Anthony Ferkser, which we'll get to a little later uh, in the show, that uh, I thought was educational about tight ends. I like this group. I think Brown is probably a little raw. I think Rochelle is probably a little raw. But you're going to have to develop guys. You know, top, uh, you know, you're talking second and third rounders, two third rounders. You're going to have to do some developing. And uh, so they're going to have to do some developing. I, I like the group. Let's see what we think of uh, yeah, let's compare. Group B. So Group B is headlined by Christian Barmore, who was available more often in some of these exercises than I expected. Defensive tackle, Alabama, 6'4", 3'10". He makes plays in the backfield. He, he's rangy. Last year, uh, 2020, eight sacks and three forced fumbles playing from defensive tackle. Those are, those are big numbers. Might have played a little heavy. Uh, from some places I read. He's played in 24 games at Alabama, but he only started six all last year. Explosive, high-energy guy, but raw and inexperienced. Certainly, in my eyes, brings the penetration that, uh, that we've talked about from, from the defensive interior that the Titans have lacked and that they're counting on from Jeffrey Simmons, but that we have not yet seen yet. Would certainly give the Titans uh, a nice rotation on the defensive line. Not a primary need, but maybe uh, a very good uh, value pick at 22. Second round, Eric Stokes, cornerback, Georgia, a little over six feet tall, 194 pounds, 429, um, with a bit of a track background, at least in high school. Needs to get stronger, can be grabby, uh, had four picks last year, only gave up three touchdowns. Reported to be smart and coachable, not afraid in the run game. Played a bit inside uh, as well. Needs better play recognition in transition, but he has height, length, makeup, speed, and signs of ball awareness as well as a clear want to. Third round, Amari Rogers, wide receiver from Clemson. He's 5'9", 212, a little unconventional build. Um, 15 touchdowns in the last four years, but only an 11.8-yard average. Built kind of like a running back. Great hands, breaks tackles. Ran 4.51, but I think he plays a little faster than that. Uh, Jeff Scott, the former Clemson offensive coordinator, described him as a master of the details. Super tough over the middle. Versatile slot who um, I think 
Brugler said has acceleration like Debo Samuel, which I found impressive after I read the 4-5-1. And fourth round, Brevin Jordan, the tight end for Miami, 6'2", 247, ran 4-6-7, spent a lot of time in the slot, got a lot of yak, had some drops, effort blocker but not great, a move tight end prospect uh, if he focuses better. Brevin Jordan is the most like Jonu Smith among the tight ends available. Pick 100, that's also where the Titans drafted Jonu Smith, uh, exactly the 100th pick uh, four or five years ago. So um, in looking at that, that I, Jordan is built in that same mold. Amari Rogers, and I'm going in reverse order here. That's fine. Um, I, I think has the, the rotational potential early on. I don't know if I view him as the starter in the slot for the Tennessee Titans. I agree with what you said, Paul, though, about his aggressive mentality. And uh, I, I just I, I notice him on, on jump balls at Clemson. You throw it up, and he's going to fight to go get the football. Uh, and, look, there's some, some Tennessee connections with Amari Rodgers as well that I know Chad will hit on in just a second. Uh, the other two... Uh, Barmore, while I think is a good player, um, the the rotation at the defensive front for me, I'm hesitant to use pick 22 on defensive tackle or defensive line because of the starting needs that I, I think they have elsewhere. And I don't view this first round much like we've seen uh, the last two years. Isaiah Wilson um, was drafted when they had Dennis Kelly at right tackle, and the thought was, Isaiah Wilson's eventually going to start and overtake him, but we don't know if it's going to be uh, September the 10th, week one. Uh, the year prior to that, they drafted Jeffrey Simmons knowing he wasn't going to be available for the first two months of the season. They don't have that luxury with the, de with the depth across this roster uh, that, that they, they for they're somewhat forced into because of the way the salary cap structure set up, not just for the Titans, but other teams this offseason. They need a starting corner and a starting wide receiver. And... Right now, on this group, I don't see that. You know what? One of the things that prompts me towards a scenario with Barmore is that Matt Miller, who we all like and respect, has repeatedly said he hears defensive interior for the Titans, uh, that it's a priority for the Titans, which surprises me. Well, we, but, had, a, we had a topic early on the, the history of OutKick 360 where I said most mocks have Barmore yeah. to the Titans. And I... I've, I'm leaning off of a defensive line at 22 based on needs and, and the fact that I think there's going to be someone better than Barmore available um, because of the way the defense is going to set up in this year's draft, Chad. It would be the first time in the history of the draft that this would happen, but it's possible this year that we do not see a single defensive player selected in the top 10 with the way the quarterbacks, offensive tackles, then and wide receivers could be drafted. Sertain, plus tight end. The giant. Plus yeah. tight end. If it's not Sertan at 10, there is a chance, yeah. you could say slim chance, but a chance that we don't see a defensive player draft in the top 10, 12 picks away from the Titans. No pass every rusher, defensive player no is on the board. No pass rusher in there is a remarkable thing. I'm going to surprise you here. I love this scenario. Yeah. Um, I think Christian Barmore, as a prospect, fits with uh, similar kind of a Jeffrey Simmons. You know, That wasn't necessarily the position everyone was thinking, but it's almost too good of a prospect to pass up scenario at number 22 so I think that sort of fits in the line of what John Robinson might the do inside out thing even too. though it's not a top position of need I think it kind of fits and I really like Stokes uh, in the second round 
I like that. I, th- I do think that he could be a starter at corner. So you get that in the second round. I, I like Amari Rodgers. I'm with you, Hutton. I don't know that he's the slam dunk starter in the slot, but I think he would develop into that. And he's a very smart player. He's actually from the state of Tennessee also, and from, uh, from Knoxville Catholic. And I like Jordan for the reason you just mentioned. I think it's a replacement for Jonu Smith. Not right away. Jonu Smith had to grow into Jonu Smith with that Titans offense when they drafted him out of Florida International. I think Brevin Jordan, another South Florida guy, played his college football at Miami, I think is a guy that could grow into that Jonu Smith-type role, and he already fits the mold athletically. I like this scenario, option B, right now, a lot more than option A. I think if you had Rodgers... Then, then we're going with the scenario I'm talking about. You have Rodgers in the slot some. You have Darrington Evans in the slot some. You'd have, in this scenario, Brevin Jordan's in, in the slot some. You'd have Ferkser in the slot some. You'd have A.J. Yeah. Brown in the slot some, right? There would be a regular, like, the defense would have to be identifying who's in the slot and playing matchup defense unless they had a really good slot corner to put somebody in the slot that matched up with the right guy. And you'd be playing chess out of the slot. Uh, scenario C, Rashad Bateman. Or three for those that yeah, prefer the prefer numerical. numerical. We, we'll go either way for you. Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver out of Minnesota, 6'1", 190, 441. Is a very good route runner who uses his size with field awareness and durability. Average 16.3 yards uh, reception, 19 touchdowns in two and a half seasons. He opted out after five games. Uh could have the ceiling of a top number two, which is what we kind of saw from Corey Davis, so that might scare you. I like that he uses tempo and pace to kind of create separation. He's very crafty in that. He's not exceptionally sudden, um, and his yak has come a lot from effort more than from burst, but I think he'd be plugged in as the second wide receiver from day one. Second round, Kelvin Joseph, cornerback, Kentucky. 5'11", but 197, ran 4'3", 4, 4. Only played 20 games. He sat out his middle season after transferring from LSU. He's twitchy. He's got good ball awareness. He had four picks in nine games. But he had a bad ending. Coaches pushed him at the end to opt out. Don't like the sound of that. So he maybe comes with maturity concerns. They pushed him to opt out? I think Brugler quoted uh, Stoops as saying, we can't have him out there standing around. When you have a possible second-round <laughs> pick that was pushed by his coaches to opt out, that's not, that's not good. Very good athlete who can mirror, uh, and he's mostly, uh, I think he played exclusively outside. Okay. Third round, Rashad Weaver, the edge from Pitt, 6'4", 260, nice size. Had seven and a half sacks and three forced fumbles in 2020. Good versus the run and the pass. Uh, not a bender and not super dynamic. But stout with length and good hands. Some positional flexibility can, can play and was a 4-3 and could play. And he and Patrick Jones gave uh, the Pitt Panthers a very good combo. How I'm intrigued by this guy. 6'4". 6'4", 260. So I'm thinking of him as kind of an Arakpo-ish yeah. big guy opposite of Landry or, uh, Landry or Dupree. Fourth round, Brady Christensen, offensive tackle from BYU, 6'5", 302. Good feet and range, durable. Doesn't have as long arms as you'd like. He only played the left tackle. Didn't have a lot of work against top rushers, but he's viewed as a very good run blocker. 
So I'll, I'll go first on this one. No on this scenario. Uh, straight, across, <laughs> straight across the board. In fact, I'll say hell no because Rashad Bateman is not a first-round wide receiver, in my opinion. Um, I hate that he opted out early. I hate that the things that you just said about him, Paul, are true and that he's a good route runner. He's a heady guy. He's not a game-breaker. He's, he's not a difference-maker. And, and I, I would prefer a guy like Elijah Moore even if it's a reach in the first round, because I think he's got game-breaking potential with his speed and what we saw at Ole Miss. I think Rashad Bateman is a, a steady NFL rotational receiver. He's not the 22nd overall pick in any draft. Not a big fan of Rashad Bateman, especially in, in the first round of the Titans. Kelvin Joseph stuff, I haven't looked that deeply into it, but I do know there were some issues at, at Kentucky. Mark Stoops, great defensive coach, good defensive backs coach also. If he's got problems with you, uh, I've got some issues with that. Didn't work out at LSU with him also. Don't like that option at corner. In the second round, I far prefer Eric Stokes from Georgia as a second-round corner option. Uh, Weaver as an edge, okay. Good, productive player in college. Fine with that. And offensive tackle at pick 100, I just don't like. I know nothing about Brady Christensen. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about him. I don't like taking offensive tackle in that spot if you're the Titans. So I'm a big no on option C. They're going to put a premium, I think, on the run game and protecting their quarterback. So I, I, I think we're undervaluing the importance of tackle in this draft because they've screwed themselves so much from last year's pick with Isaiah Wilson. So I, I see this as realistic as, as we move from the fourth round up. But, Paul, if, if Rashad, Rashad Bateman is the 22nd pick what you're telling me is in this mock that at least four other receivers went ahead of him in the first round. I think that's conceivable, don't you? Which would you? be the top three. Chase, The, the two Smith. wide Smith, Waddle, and Elijah Moore. Yep. Um, so Bateman would be the fifth wide receiver taken. Moore or Tony. I think you've got five. I, there are five SEC guys I would take before Rashad Bateman, and I'm putting Tony and Moore in that mix with Chase, Smith, Waddle. And you know Bateman's college career didn't play in the best offense, but he's—I've seen him mock to the Titans in some cases. But I'm—I'm I'm with Chad on the the value here. Uh, Kelvin Joseph, um, Chad hit on it. But if you're being asked to opt out and you're a top 53 player in the NFL draft, and you're being asked not to come around, you're off my board. Uh, Rashad Weaver. Uh, and offensive tackle Brady Christensen, I like the the needs addressed at both of those spots. I like Weaver. I'm intrigued by both these uh, pit guys. I know it's going to get old to hear us saying this, and we could say this about every Titans pick, this year especially, but you could end everything with, especially given the Isaiah Wilson pick a year ago. And when I hear those stories about Kelvin Joseph, and think about him in the second round, Hutton, I can't help but think, you yeah. can't take a chance on that guy, especially given the Isaiah Wilson pick a year ago. And you, you mentioned We keep going back to that, too. I tend to agree. Yeah. I just, you know, I know. It's one yeah. of the, I, I'm playing the game, and, you know, he might be good enough at a certain point where... So, uh, of these options, option A is my favorite, Paul. Uh, I'm getting, in, in my mind, I'm getting a, a great value for Hunter Long in the third round based on what you have mocked here. I have uh, Deami Brown, who you can plug and play in the slot and do some other things with his abilities. Quiddy Pay, uh, you should be able to rotate him in immediately and, and get some, some great options on rushing the passer. Robinson mentioned this earlier today. Rush and cover, rush and cover. 
I do that within the top 100 picks of option A's draft. Plus, I'm addressing a need at tight end and a need at wide receiver. I think needs-based, option A is where I'm headed. Chad, you going B? I'm going B, A, C in that order. And there's a big gap. There's not a big gap between B and A for me in which I prefer. Huge gap between B and A and then C. C is way dead last <laughs> for me. But option B, Christian Barmore, Eric Stokes, Amari Rogers, Brevin Jordan, not just because I'm an SEC guy and you've got two SEC guys and a de facto SEC guy and Amari Rogers who played at Clemson with those first three. But I really like that option for the Titans. Mainly, though, if I'm going to be completely honest, because of 53, 85, and 100. I like that combination of three picks even more so than the first round pick. I'm going ABC. And I'm going to go with the Pay, Brown, Long, and Rochelle. Um, but I, I, hopefully these were three good contrasting. Oh, yeah. And Quiddy um, Pay is a surprise at 22. Um, I, I think he's one of the players that we haven't discussed much of. I can't remember who went ahead of him uh, at Edge. And you know, is Zayvon Collins? I'm assuming he yeah, he, was he, he was in a mock that we did last week. So we're yeah, we're I was also steering some. clear of what yeah, you, you did. Yeah. I think Long might be the only overlap here. Coming up, John before. Robinson spoke with the media earlier today and set up the NFL draft from the Titans' perspective. We'll get Paul's take on that conference call and much more straight ahead on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network, including Fox Sports Knoxville and Fan Run Radio. You can also find us wherever you download your podcast. Shout out to Jacob Swanson. We call him Jakob here on the show. Great job as always. David Reed is the chairman of the board, the very best of what he does. Becca Risley and Sleepy Danny manning the, uh, the show back from headquarters for Outkick. Maybe back from a nap, maybe not. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Well-rested, we know that, either way. Well Could rested. be mid-nap right now. Um, Paul, you were in on the conference call this morning with John Robinson, general manager for the Titans, and we just got through discussing wide receiver and corner. We know those are needs for this team. What does he think about the depth at each position? Yeah, he likes the depth at both positions, but he said that he thought uh, the wide receiver depth is kind of more evenly spread out uh, over the whole course of the thing than um, than, than than corners. So uh, you know, read into that what you will. That doesn't mean that that they automatically go and get a corner first. Right. But you know. Over the long haul, uh, more more receivers evenly spread value wise than the corner. And Ferkser is right now their top tight end. We, yeah, you had two mocks up here that that featured tight end within the first 100 picks. So he said even receiving tight ends are going to have to block receiving tight ends in quotes are going to have to block at some point. That thinks there are players in this draft who can do both. You can't pigeonhole yourself. We say this all the time. Teams are going to sub out accordingly. And then specifically about Ferkser, he said, Ferkser has worked hard, gotten better, dependable target, competitive in the run game. Detached has been a different ask going against a nickel or a safety than if he's on the wing versus a defensive end. So they've detached him and asked him to dig out a safety or block a nickel. But they haven't asked him to block a defensive end. So all these people who are saying, you know, Ferkser can be Jonu. Jonu had blocked a defensive end or a pass rusher a lot of times. Ferkser has not. 
So Furtzer is not going to step in and do what Johnny's done. Now, they might ask him to do it once in a while now, it sounds like, but that is not his forte, and, and that's been made you clear You know who here. has? Trimble, the blocking tight end from Notre Dame. Yeah, or Swain, but Swain or has Swain. other limitations, you know. And Swain can catch the ball, but Swain's not going to get you yak, right? And how, how does he assess opt-outs? For the 2020 yeah, season. he said what I would expect about opt-outs. He said, you know, each one we got to look at the, the family situation and talk to a guy about, you know, what his rationale was and and why he did it, and then what he did at his pro day, um, what what the people around him say and everything. And that that's exactly what I would have expected him to say. But no kind of blanket uh, blanket feeling about guys who chose not to play in 2020. You know, the, the other thing that he was asked quite a bit about was the trade options, and he said he's putting calls in. He's, he's doing that every year. Every GM is calling around to, to talk maneuvering, and it doesn't always have to be about the first round. He said if you're going up, um, you're scared of somebody getting in front of you or taking the guy or two, but it really is a guy, one guy. That, that you really want, and you're assessing the value. And if you're going back, obviously – you know, you've got a so group of three or four that you're who, willing to We take. have not discussed the Titans trading up in this draft. And uh, I, I was asked this last night with uh, Steve Lehman on Channel 5. He asked me, who could that player be? What, what's realistic? For instance, Kyle Pitts is not falling to 20, no. 20th overall, so you jump up two spots. The one I came up with, and I'll see if you guys agree, I, I, don't, I don't think it's all that likely, but... How do teams feel about Devontae Smith at 166 pounds? And could they be more inclined to go with a different position instead of going with Devontae Smith? And if he fell to, and I'm just throwing 16. out, 16 to 18, and the Titans select at 22, do you try to maneuver to get up and grab that player? I don't know. Do you share the same concern? Uh, you know, then you have to feel good about. Yeah, but the value for him at yeah, I agree. The value for him at eighteen is different than top ten. Yeah, I I think. Go ahead. I I would consider it for sure. I mean, that that would be one I would trade up to get. The other thing I was thinking about, just more of a position, is if corner, if the corner you want falls further than you thought, and gets into that mid-teen range. Yep. That seems to me that corner they know they want all along, and they assumed would not be. Around in the mid-teens, whoever that that corner may be, could be Farley, could be Patrick Sertan. Who knows? You know what's going to happen in a draft based on run of position. Mm-hmm. But if that person's there, do they trade up to get get him? I would look in either one of those scenarios, Paul, Devonte Smith, or that corner that they covet. See, I I wouldn't make the move for Smith just because I think you know these other guys we're talking about Elijah Moore, right. Rondale Moore. Uh, who's the other uh, slotty guy that we've been talking about? Well, you just about. mentioned Bateman and Amari. Not, not Bateman. Amari Cooper? Not, uh, 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 not Amari Cooper. Waddle? Uh, uh, anyway, there are enough slot type Tony. guy. Tony. So there are three. One of those is going to be there for you at, at 22 if that's the direction you want to go. Is the drop off from Smith so, so dramatic that you'd move Again, up just, with all the needs that I'm you trying have. to figure out a player that you would trade up five spots right. for. Here, here's, I, I'm with you on corner. If those four corners are the consensus four corners, and if you feel good about Farley, yeah. what's the gap between those four and the next? Who's the fifth corner? What's the gap there? Do you, do you feel like if the fourth of those four corners is there at 1819 
you know, and, and the cost to move up three spots isn't that that high. You go get that corner because you don't like the gap between that corner and the fifth corner. You want the last guy of the first batch instead of the first guy of the second batch. I could see a small move there. Mm -hmm. It's the one spot I'm thinking about off the top of my head. Uh, a lot more to discuss as this week progresses. Titans uh, drafting 22nd overall currently in Thursday night's draft. Uh, Chad, you mentioned to begin the show you had some thoughts on For All Mankind. Yes. Uh, a recommendation. A, yes. Again, I don't want to give a recommendation lightly on this program, but Paul and I have watched this show. Paul needs to get back into it. He started season two, has not completed I it yet. I just did one episode. The first episode of season two wasn't fantastic, but if Chad's telling me to plow ahead, I, I shall go. Season two, For All Mankind, just completed. Um, it's on Apple Plus. You can you can now binge all of it if you have Apple Plus seasons one and two. I love that these shows drop once a week. For people that are watching the Marvel shows on Disney Plus, you kind of get into that once a week feature where you have to wait until Friday when it drops the earliest to watch it. And I think because it took me so long to watch the ten episodes <laughs> over ten weeks, I'm almost more emotionally invested in it. Where if I watched all ten over a weekend, the emotional payoff at the end of a season wouldn't have been as severe as it was having to be patient and watch every episode. This show is terrific. Uh, it is an alternate history if Russia beat us to the moon, us being the United States, and the fallout from that and what would have happened with the space race and NASA had that happened, and it's very, very well done. And I will say, this is not recency bias, this is one of the top three or four season finales I've seen of any show in history. Wow. This season two finale of For All Mankind. In history. It's almost an hour and a half long. And the payoff throughout. There are so many big moments in the episode that you almost forget some of the huge things that happen over the course of one hour and a half long clip of television. And the way it ends will get you so excited for season three. I highly recommend I will mankind. say, I believe this is an excellent season finale. I will also say, nobody should remember good season finales. I mean, it's a season. <laughs> Series finales, yes. The cliffhanger? Season well, finales, I, absolutely no one should be left remembering I, I season finales years out. What was the season finale of Breaking Bad season four? I can tell you the season finale. Well, there was, I, I can tell you memorable season finales of, of Breaking Bad and the way they left it. Uh, I, I remember the season finale of season, I think it was three of Lost, where it was a complete different the hatch. thing going on. The hatch. Uh, with we found that. the hatch. I mean, look, you can season finale, series finale is a season finale, also. Right. Those I'm are saying big. I'm putting it with series finales as well. Oh. This season finale. I really lured them into going bigger. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll say this on Apple Plus though. There's not a lot on that streaming service. So when's the morning show coming? I back? can't. I can't advise everyone to sign up for the streaming service. You got it for a Christmas it. gift. I got it free f f with like my Verizon renewal, a year. It's so uh, morning show's good. Watch that. Watch this. this. I watched the Billie Eilish <laughs> documentary. I think that's it. How was that? My daughter watches Snoopy Show and Wolf Walkers on Apple Plus. Outside of that, there's just not a lot of content. They don't have a lot of shows on Apple Plus. This one though. Uh, is worth the price of admission. Telling you, for all mankind, watch it. Season one I would is not where you have you to start, and season one was very good. I would not steer you wrong. Had someone today say that uh, I take, told me that they take every recommendation that I make because the two best shows they've seen in the last four years were Dark and For All Mankind. Apparently this is a sci-fi person. By the way, I was first on For it. All Mankind. 
Paul, though, stopped because he watched one episode well, with Teresa and she episode, didn't like it. The first episode of second second season wasn't the best, their best it's work. Good. And I've started watching Serpent, which you recommended, which is good. Yeah, Serpent's also good. But with For All Mankind, it's weird in that, you may vouch for this also, I didn't think the series premiere was all that great. I think by episode two and three, it's it a lot a better in season yeah. one. I agree. I watched the first episode, I'm like, I'll give it another episode. And, and then it got great yeah. quickly. So, give it a shot. The Oscars had record lows for ratings last night. 50% dip from last year, which was an all-time yeah, low. Yeah, I disagree big time with Clay here. It wasn't about it being woke that it was bad. It was just painfully boring. Painfully boring. Well, no one likes the movies that were nominated. I think that's the biggest part of it. No one's it's seen these tough movies. years for There's movies. There's at least one no that we always theaters. know. The, the winners recently have been films I have not watched. I don't even know what won. Nomadland won. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't even looked to see who won. I recorded it, was it and haven't watched it. Anthony Hopkins won actor and boring. Fall. They barely even showed clips of these movies that we haven't even yeah, seen. Yeah, everybody was bemoaning that. Yeah. We haven't seen the movies and they're not showing clips. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, Claire's is one of the, the people actually sitting and watching this speech by speech. She's so into it. I don't think there's anything that would turn her off of the Oscars. Um, and and even she? she was just like, man, these speeches are so boring. But also the presentation. The only thing that was cool was the setting. It was like layered tables, and that was kind of cool to look at. But otherwise, there was no energy. No energy. Not just the speeches. I mean, there was no host, so there's no host to give it energy. It, I didn't watch much of it, but what I watched really got me ready for sleep. We will be watching the Preds tonight. They will bring the energy. They've got back-to-back -back games coming up at Bridgestone Arena as they host Florida tonight and tomorrow. And if you're comparing Dallas, they have two against Carolina, then Tampa Bay, and then Dallas versus Nashville on Saturday at Bridgestone Arena head-to-head. -head. So Dallas is entering a really tough stretch for their schedule. Tough games on the, on the Preds schedule as well. But the key with the Preds schedule is after tomorrow night's game, uh, against Florida. They are off until Saturday when they face Dallas head-to-head. -head. We'll be recapping that game, uh, tonight's game, coming up uh, tomorrow on the Tennessee Power Hour. A lot more Titans discussion as well as NFL draft headlines on OutKick 360. Do not block the box. Do be sure to lock the locks.